0: Welcome to Bare Bones. West.
1: The Bears don't know what's going on with the thumb, unfortunately. There's too much swelling taking up a lot of space, and you just can't see that on the MRI, hence why they're trying to wait and see what is going on down the road, hopefully by the end of this week, whether they're going to do another MRI or they're going to be uh, trying to uh, just look, go on based on strength, based on range of motion, things of that nature hey look thumbs up cool so when it comes to this right ball handling players often sustain thumb injuries when the ball forcefully would say abducts right bringing the thumb away from the midline of the hand resulting in a ucl tear there there's two major ligaments that stabilize the mcp so that's going to be right at the base of your thumb as it connects to your palm Uh, for those who are can't see where i just where i pointed to Uh, Basically, the inside of the thumb, that's going to be your UCL ulnar collateral ligament. And then on the other side of that is going to be your radial collateral ligament, the RCL. Most thumb sprains involve the ulnar collateral ligament, which is located, like I said, on the inside. An injury to this ligament can be painful and may make your thumb feel loose or unstable. It also weakens your ability to pinch grasp objects between your thumb, your index finger. You're also concerned about some of the muscles. So for example, flexor, pollicis, brevis, flexor, you know, bring your thumb inwards. Uh, It's pollicis just means thumb. So just don't worry about that. Abductor brings it out, adductor, all that stuff. So your tendons can be greatly affected too, because as that bone shifts and moves, it's going to overly lengthen those tendons resulting in a strain or excuse me, sprain of those tendons, little mini tears, essentially. One thing that's really interesting is, you know, a study by Shaw et al. in 2014, showed that the thumb gives you about 17% of your grip strength, uh, your index finger gives you about 22%, middle is 31%, and your ring finger is 29%, the rest of it being the pinky. Uh, Someone asked, Vaughn in the chat asked, isn't pushing it back in cause more damage? So it depends. So uh, if you're trying to bring any dislocated joint back into place, if you can do it with one solid push, it's fine. If you give it a solid push and don't try it, honestly, like if you have like a medical person around who's going to try it, go for it. But um, if you give it a solid push and it can't go in, that can cause damage because there might, there's something in the way, there's a reason it's not going back in. Maybe the bones aren't aligned properly so you can't get it back to its proper joint. It's one bone's hitting another. Uh, Potentially there's uh, one of the, maybe the the tendons is is in the way, which is not allowing it to move. There's some reason why it, it can't get back there. Um, one thing I also want to do, if you have, want to push, if you have a super, uh, if you have a comment and you really want me to answer it, throw a super chat, you know, throw a couple bucks uh, bucks towards the podcast and I'll answer the best I can, whether it's this injury, other bear stuff, as we're waiting for Kyrie to get in here and talk about, oh, Kyrie's here. I'm going to finish talking about Justin stuff and then I'm going to let him in. He was late, his fault. So <laughs> return to play what that looks like. Normally after a dislocation, a splint is used usually for about four to six weeks after that tear. So it depends on your position, right? If you're an offensive lineman, you can get away with wearing a splint. You're a cornerback, even you can get away with it. Receiver, it's a little tougher. Quarterback on your throwing hand, near impossible. You, You just cannot grip and throw the ball. At that point, if the joint is stable, your movement has improved, less painful, then you can move on to tape. And at that point, now you have a little more motion there because it's not being held in place. Now you could probably throw a football, you know. Skill players with downhand injuries, that's where maybe you're looking up to 12 weeks. And that's why I said that when I tweeted that out and people jumped down my throat about it. That's just the healing process and that's mechanics. I wish it was different. And that's why I think it's going to be tough for Justin in the long run here. Um, you know, surgery is still on the table. You know, that's if you're getting a complete tear or if you have a stentor lesion. A stentor lesion is happens in the same way. However, you also end up getting what's called an avulsion. So an avulsion is where the tendon is ripped away in a chunk because a chunk of that bone comes off where it attaches. Now you got to reattach that, that, that ligament, excuse me, or excuse me, that tendon. And that, you know, is, is a, you gotta let it heal. It's even longer. Now you're still in that splint. And so that just elongates the entire process, right? If the surgery is performed, again, if it's a position like alignment or something like that, you could wear a protective cast after about two weeks and get, get back out there as long as you don't let that thumb move. Uh, But otherwise, you know, you're immobilized for six to eight weeks. Now, when can you come back fully? Pain-free at rest, pain-free with movement, full range of motion for the finger. Finger swelling or tenderness is mild, so some swelling is okay. Injured joint is stable, things of that nature. Now, lastly, on this note, if a player returns the game before the finger is properly healed, what you're looking at, you can get another dislocation, an unstable joint, chronic pain, immobility, scar tissue buildup, and finger deformities. All things that aren't good for a quarterback on your throwing hand if you rush back. So now we're going to bring Kyrie Thompson into the show. Kyrie, what do you think?
2: Well, I think in the uh, mortal words of John Fox, it's all a problem. Um, And I think the, I mean, really the worst part about all this is just that Where does it leave you as a team? Um, This already had to be pretty much a perfect campaign from Justin Fields in order to maintain his draft status. Uh, Or rather, not not his draft status, but but maintain his status as the quarterback of the team, you know, and, and avoid being replaced in the draft. And, well, it hasn't been that way on the field, and it certainly hasn't been that way with this injury. And even the most optimistic person, I think that you and I have definitely been of the mind that, you know, there was still some hope for Justin Fields to be the quarterback of this team past this year. Um, But that hope really feels all but gone. And it it, honestly, it feels like it would have been, it would have just been easier If he had been able to play all 17 games and you get the evaluation, you get all the data points free of injury, because look, even if he were to be able to come back next week, who's to say that he's going to be anything actually approximating himself throwing the football? We just (laughs) wouldn't. We just don't know. Um, And now it feels like the decision's being made for you in in more ways than one. And it's 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 really tough to watch.
1: One of the things that's the toughest with this too is now the decision of it's almost like what's best for the potentially the bears in terms of like the product that they're putting out in the field and stuff like that the decision that they need to make ultimately, and then what's best for Justin. And I don't know that those two paths are aligned at this point in time like if I was in his corner, I'd have to look at the thumb medically to be able to be able to like say from that perspective, but simply from from an overall like you've done enough dude like like you've given your body to this team. The, honestly, you know, Nagy basically gave you the middle finger in that Cleveland game by not changing the game plan at all from the Andy Dalton game plan. Uh, you ended up, polls basically was like, all right, good. I'm getting rid of everything around you. Good luck <laughs> the year after that. And now this year, yes, there's been improvements, but I mean, not a ton. You know, there's, there's been a bunch, but like not enough, right? I mean, we have all line problems. We have defensive problems. We had a chase Claypool problem. I don't think Justin owes the Bears anything at this point. Yeah, I think. I would almost tell him, dude, go make sure you're maxed out rest wise. If you come back at the end of the year, if if you can show out so that a team that's interested in you and will truly build around you can do so.
2: Yep. Um, I think that's really what we're looking at at this point. And when you're talking about what's best for the Bears and what's best for Justin Fields, at this point, the Bears – there's no magical run that's going to make this better. I mean, they they have lost to some bad teams and and or, or rather very beatable teams. Even you could you could just say it that way. They've lost some some very winnable games. There's no reason to believe that they are going to go roughshod through the soft. It was a pretty soft schedule still. There's yeah, no reason. There is no reason to think based on what we've seen that this is going to turn around especially if there's no Justin Fields. And and I don't want to be disres- look, I don't want to be disrespectful to Tyson Bajan, okay? Because you know, there's always that 1 in a million chance that he could surprise us and 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 be something we didn't expect. But for the most part, if you're an undrafted rookie quarterback, that's kind of what you are. I mean, there's a reason that you were that. And there's a reason that Kurt Warner's and Warren Moon's Aren't the norm, okay? Because Tony they, Romo, they, yeah, yeah, Tony Romo. They are they are exceptional players who, in in some cases, were given exceptional opportunities on really good teams. Like, think about it, Kurt Warner, who well, are like bagging groceries, and then he he ends up running the greatest show on turf due to injury, right? Yeah. Um, you know Warren Moon. Um, I mean, Warren Moon. I kind of grew up with. He's he's a very interesting one. You you would have never figured. Uh, you know, he was, he was an undrafted player, um, but Tony Romo, think about that, right? Tony Romo came into a, a Cowboys team. That was not the worst team in the league. It was, it was, it was fine. It was decent. He came in and he managed it and managed them to the playoffs. But again, you think about that. Those are good teams. The bears are not a good team. Okay. Tyson Bajan is not about to carry them anywhere except to a few meaningless wins. And again, that's not to be disrespectful to Tyson Bajan. To talk about one thing that's been on my mind with Justin Fields, and then I'll turn it back to you. Basically, from the moment he was drafted, this was never built to, to anything that would be ideal for him. You had He was drafted by a regime that should have been fired in the offseason, never should have even had the opportunity to draft him, but they did in the hopes that drafting a dynamic young passer would save their jobs. Obviously, he was not good enough to save their jobs. That team was not good. And then Ryan Pace, or Ryan Poles rather, comes in, hires Matt Eberflus. Nothing that they did in year two suggested that this was a team built for Justin Fields. It was always a team that was, okay, well... We end up with the number one or number two pick. You know, we'll have an opportunity to use a quarterback. But if you really show us something, then I guess you can stick around. And he had to carry a bum team just just to keep them in games. Right. Yeah. And it was it was a losing culture. It was a losing situation. He did enough to retain his job. You went out and you got him DJ more. Obviously, that matters. You went and you got him Darnell, right? But for a passer like Justin Fields, that's not enough you need more. You need more around him. You need an offensive line that is going to give him the time to do what he does because just trying to turn him into Aaron Rodgers, turning him into a quick game guy, that's not his game. It never was in college. The Bears basically looked at him and thought they could mold him and they could change him instead of building around what he was. And that is, he might have failed regardless. It's, It's entirely possible. But the Bears did everything possible (laughs) to make sure that he did not succeed here. And he hasn't outside of a couple of flashes. So whatever ends up happening with him, I hope he ends up in a situation that does give him an opportunity to show what he can actually do.
1: Yeah, it's not necessarily like trying to shove like a square peg in a round hole. It's more like trying to take an oval peg in a round hole, but you're holding it sideways for some weird reason because you don't know how to use pegs. Right. Like you had this dynamic athlete who had potential to grow and develop some of these things with the right support system, with the right tutelage, with the right thought process. And you just said, now we're going to do it our way. And that was something that was super upset about regarding specifically Getsy, Janoco, everyone in that quarterback room in any way where it's like, you didn't, you did what you thought was best for you, not necessarily for Justin.
2: Yeah. And um, really, uh you know we we talked to our guy Jonathan Wood uh quite a bit and I think that he, you know his he, he made a point the other day that I feel like is is very clear that I want the Chicago Bears to think about when they draft their next quarterback the very first question and the second question and the next question after that and the last question you ask in an interview process with a general manager and a head coach is how are you going to take that quarterback whether it be Caleb Williams, Drake May, whomever it happens to be. How are you going to take that guy and turn him into a superstar? That's what I want to know. And that is absolutely not what the Chicago Bears asked. That is absolutely not the thought there's process no that they had yeah, because no if way. they because if they did, then you wouldn't have this you would not have hired Matt Eberflus. You would have hired an offensive coach to cater to, to Justin Fields and, and and make him a star. But but that wasn't what you were interested in. And I feel like there's something again very antithetical about the Bears. And you know, Olin Kruz had a viral video where he was talking to Dave Kaplan, where it's basically like, for some reason it's something about this building where people come in with good reputations and then at the end of it, it breaks them. They can't coach, they can't play. It is, it's, it's the building. And I'll tell you what, it 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 really is the the ownership. It is the, the executive nature of this team and you hope that Kevin Warren can make it different and can change this ridiculous backwards culture of that the Bears have been trying to recapture this defense first get off the bus running and we're going to win the bear way there is no bear way to win there is not they don't win They're not a winning culture. They're not a winning organization. They're not a winning roster. They're not a winning team. We're not a winning fan base, right? None none of this is conducive to winning. So I really hope that whatever happens next, there is somebody, somebody here, bottles up what a winning culture and organization looks like and spreads it around the Chicago Bears and spreads it around Hallis Hall, because right now I don't see it.
1: Well, actually, speaking of new voices in the building, I think our culture is great. We don't really need a change, but you always need like a new voice is always good. Special announcement for Bare Bones, the Bare Bones family is growing. Kyrie Thompson is going to be joining more full time to the podcast where you'll get to hear his amazing takes, his banter, his thought process, Every other week, alternating with Danny Meehan. So he will be on significantly more consistently. And it's going to be great to have another point of view because a lot of times I feel like Danny and I sometimes get into like have a very similar thought process and kind of just say the same thing. Uh, And so having another uh, voice out there is going to be fantastic.
2: I am, you know, look, I'm always down. You, you know, I'm down. And now that I am with Windy City Gridiron on a more regular basis, this was just a natural next step. You know, I've been on this show quite a bit. I love chatting with y'all. Um, when we did our three-way mock drafts, I mean, Lord knows we're going to be doing that plenty oh my God, uh, coming so up. Much. Uh, and a lot of them are, are going to have Caleb Williams or Drake May at the top. Though, you know what? Just because I'm a chaos agent, I might just inject something weird in there. Shador um, Sanders, do it. Um, you know, Michael Penix, number 1 overall <laughs> or or you know what, uh I, yeah, yeah, Shador, Shador Sanders number 1 overall. I mean, that is deliciously chaotic. Also yeah. terrible, but I mean, it is what it is. Uh but but listen, um in all seriousness, it's wonderful to be on with you all, looking forward to it.
1: And now we're going to transition talk about our chart review where we look back a little bit at this last game. Honestly, we're not going to spend a lot of time here. Yeah, we're let's not. Ahead. <laughs> we're just going to dip our toe in the water on this. Um, just some things that I pulled that I think are important. Looking a little more forward, though, um, Brad Spielberger earlier in the week treated, tweeted when the Bears were facing a Vikings blitz. The, sorry, the Bears faced a Vikings blitz rate of over seventy percent. First of all, the Bears were ready for that, which is insane. But Jatir Carter allowed only zero quarterback pressures on 27 pass block reps. And as Brad said, looks like Braxton Jones, Carter, and Donnell Wright, you know, they maybe throw Tevin Jenkins in if he can stay healthy. Maybe knows Ryan Poles knows how to scout an offensive lineman, and potentially, right, maybe you have an offensive line going forward. On the negative side of that, Deontay Foreman allowed three pressures on seven pass block attempts. This is part of the reason where why Deontay... Unfortunately, was relegated to inactive most of the time. Really, really good runner, okay pass catcher, terrible pass blocker, and you know doesn't give you anything on special teams. So you know Khalil Herbert can't get healthy fast enough. Roshan Johnson can't get healthy fast enough in terms of just this team as a whole. Uh, but I don't really know how much that matters. I guess right now, but just looking forward.
2: Just for the execution, it matters. And you would think that somebody who runs as violently as Deontay Foreman is, there are some angry runs up in there. You would think that somebody who plays that physically with the ball in their hands could play just as physically when it comes to protecting the quarterback. But there was a notable difference in the, in the way that he approaches those jobs. And it absolutely did not help. Um, in particular, the interception by Justin Fields was... Um, they were dialing up a shot play to the end zone, and they were gonna give DJ Moore an opportunity to to go get one. And Deontay Foreman's inability to hold up for longer than 0.5 seconds. That was the difference in that play. So
1: it, it, it showed up about butterfly effect. If he had just simply blocked for another half second, I think that probably was a touchdown to DJ Moore. You know, we're having potentially a whole different conversation this week because we know Justin's a flow guy, he's a he's a swag guy, you know, that may have just changed the whole game.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that it was it's interesting, right? To look back at it and and the very first play of the game, I screamed at the TV when Justin Fields got sacked because it's like, Well, uh, you knew that was coming. Get the ball out of your hands, and you could see the sack coming from a mile away. You knew you you just knew that. This the game plan wasn't going to work, but then he real rips off a you know a, a nice run on second down, converts a third down, and then it's like okay maybe maybe we're getting into the game a little bit, but the flow just simply was was never consistently there for for the Bears and Fields, and you know it, it really is a matter of against blitzes especially, um, he is one of the least efficient passes in football against against blitzes, which is why you might think to yourself, man, teams are going to blitz Justin Fields, that's a terrible idea. He's just going to gash him. He's just going to run all over him. No, that's that's not how that works. Um and I think that you had a feeling that if there were not going to be any downfield passes, which I think the Bears psyched themselves out a little bit, the idea that oh yeah, they're going to blitz a lot, so that means we can never try to do a max protect and, and dial something up intermediate or down the field. Then you talk about the snaps being off and throwing off the timing of the play. And yes, there are just still some balls that Justin Fields got to get out of his hands. Um, it's unfortunate when you have a player that doesn't always need everything to be perfect, but when imperfections pile up, he can't. he doesn't overcome it very well. I think that's probably the best way to put it is when, you know, that the snap is off and then maybe the, uh, the receivers and getting into their route fast enough, or maybe somebody gets pushed back into his face and then it's just, well, got to go, got to go superhero this again. Um, And so imperfect plays then become disasters. And I think that's really what you saw when, especially when fields was in the game, it was disaster after disaster with a good player. So, Mixed in, you know, big chunk play to Darnell Mooney, which I thought was like the best touch pass down the middle of the field. Justin Fields has thrown as a member of the Chicago Bears. Absolutely. Um, and then Tyson Bagent comes in the game and he's just hot potatoing it because they were just like throw screens, get the ball out of your hands. Don't get killed. You're going to be facing blitzes. And I think you're probably going to see stuff like that again this week from from Tyson Bajin, um, with hopefully a little bit more comfort. Given that he'll be coming into this game as the starter, but again, they're gonna they're gonna be plays where stuff just goes wrong, especially when you look at the injuries on the left side of the offensive line. It's got it's got recipe for disaster written all over it.
1: Well, and I'm glad you brought up uh, that first play of the game because that was actually my concussed corner transitioning into that. And I'm gonna double dip on this. It goes both ways on this one. Right? You know, Luke Etze talked about the, that first play of the game. Bears opened up an empty. Uh, to see if the Vikings would go bigger or sub package against their 21 personnel to running back one tight end and Fields gets these claims, right? That Fields correctly did the hard part and set the protection to the right, leaving the hot to the backside. And, you know, he said that he recognized the defense that they had never shown us. And then, but unfortunately he, you know, he didn't get the next part, right. As Getzy said, he's got to drift right through it. And he didn't do that. To me, it's a little silly to think, I don't understand why your first read is not in line with the hot person and you want to see that person coming and know the timing on it. So I think that's my concuss for Getty. And then at the same time, if that's what Justin's being taught, Hey, do all those things shift to the right. You got to know that the guys are screaming off the edge and get the ball out. Like you said earlier.
2: Yeah. I have a hard time believing Justin Fields didn't know that guy was coming. Um, I mean, again, if you if you recognize the defense and you recognize the look, you know that there's a guy on the line of scrimmage on the end. You can see what he's doing. and again, it's it's one of those where i don't I don't know if there was a situation where, you know, he he just didn't think he was coming. I think he probably knew he was coming. But then the drifting to the right part doesn't work because, Darnell Wright and in, in the right side of the offensive line gets pushed back a little bit. That is something that Justin Fields doesn't do particularly well, though, is angle is drops away from pressure. That is kind of a football kind of two Oh two sort of thing that, uh, you know, you, you should know as, as a quarterback nonetheless. Um, and then, Oh yeah, I got to throw to a Blossom game and he's not ready. DJ Moore is not ready. You don't have time to do all that thinking. You got to just throw the ball. You got to throw the ball. What was your concussed corner? My concussed corner <laughs> would be I I think I think I'm I'm looking at I think I'm looking at Justin Fields on the play where he gets hurt. Because to me that's a situation where as much as you, you want, you want to, you know, see the guy create, and you know, Luke Getsy talked about that. They dropped eight into coverage, and you want to extend the play, extend the play, try to find a window. But there was a window for DJ Moore, and if you're not going to throw the ball to DJ Moore because you're worried about throwing it in traffic and getting picked when they dropped eight, then you throw the ball away, man. Throw the football away. Something we've been begging the guy to do for years now. Week after week after week, taking unnecessary hits because he won't just unload the football, throw it into the 15th row, toss it out of bounds before the guy starts wrapping you up, you know?
1: Yeah. And then, it's of course, o- it's always eat. when he's half on the ground when he tries to throw it.
2: Yeah. And then and then he awkwardly tosses it away and his thumb gets caught underneath him, which, look, that's happened to me on my non-throwing hand. And it's still not quite right. As a matter of fact, like I never got surgery. I never got it repaired. I can still feel it whenever I stretch the thumb out. That's happened to me. And he could have avoided it. And he didn't avoid it. And now his Bears career is probably, that's that's probably a dub because he didn't do it.
1: Uh, well, on that super fun note, we're going to transition to our break. And our sponsor, we got Achilles. The first thing to hit the ground when you play most sports is your foot. So why isn't your foot and ankle strength a priority for you? Achilles was created by founder Trey Villarreal and co-founder Eric Slosberg to give every athlete the advantage to perform with confidence and allow them to play at 100% even after suffering serious injuries. It is trusted by collegiate and professional teams all over the nation. The Achilles has been shown to increase muscle development by as much as 320% in the lower leg muscles. I use this myself for my personal ankle strength and with all of my lower extremity patients. Transitioning from table work to true functional work can be pretty tough. So I use Achilles. Achilles can be used for rehab, injury prevention, and overall strength. So it's great for the clinic, the gym, or the home. If you want to see it in action, head to Achilles underscore Nation. That is the Instagram for Achilles Nation or my personal page on Insta, doctor.westsportpt. Then go to anklerepair.com. Get yours today. Training room roundup. There's uh, a a <laughs> lot of uh, stuff to to talk about here. Unfortunately, some of it important, some of it not. We're going to parse through this relatively quickly. Um, probably the biggest one to highlight is the offensive line stuff, and I know I'm going to talk about this a little bit for some of my other categories too. Um, but you're right. You got Nate Davis with a high ankle. Um, you got Dan Feeney who. Looks like he probably got injured on Wednesday. Whenever you see that, limited one day and then did not the next. Um, probably got hurt, unfortunately, in the practice. At least that's what usually what we see. Uh, so now you don't have your, I guess, third center. So what you're looking at. Travis Homer finally back. Eddie Jackson out. Hey. Ro- Rody, Roshan Johnson probably going to be out again. I'm not hearing great things. Um, and then, of course, Terrell Smith still dealing with Motto. Biggest and then biggest surprise here. I mean, rest for Mercedes, it happens. He never really practices one of day's a week is darn outright, shoulder limited. Again, probably in practice, this offensive line, man.
2: It's ugly. And that's one of those situations where you look at the offensive line and you think to yourself, you know what? It's it's not that it's not that, you know, you want to root against Tyson Bajent. Um but I feel like seeing what the offensive line could look like. I don't think that guy has a chance. If 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 you're really down to starting like Evante Collins, or yeah. or, or, or or you're you're bringing somebody up off the practice squad, or, or you're kicking Tevin Jenkins out there, and then and then bankrupting you know right guard, just whatever scenarios you could possibly have, it's just not good. If Tyson Bajant looks looks good, looks passable, then you will have earned a whole lot of respect for me, uh, with, with what this offensive line could look like. And you mentioned Roshan Johnson, it harkens back to concussions that we've heard about with guys like Leonard Floyd and Eddie Goldman, who were messed up for months afterwards, just not able to see straight dark spots, you know, or, or like light sensitivity or, you know, what, what have you, um, And again, for a guy that just started in the league, especially, I mean, you never want to see it with anybody, but a guy who just started his NFL career to already have what looks like a really bad concussion, that does not bode well. I mean, the running back is a really tough position, man.
1: And that's where you get it into, not to do a whole soapbox thing here, but then the whole, you know, contract thing with running backs and the value of them, but like the amount of hits they take, it's a, it's a whole thing that unfortunately, you know, I don't think we're going to see the, get the right answer anytime soon for the Raiders pretty straightforward. I mean, Nate Hobbs, um, that one's important because that's their nickel, but other than that, they're pretty healthy. You are losing Jimmy Garoppolo, but I mean, I don't know what's the big, what's the drop off from Jimmy Garoppolo to either Hoyer or. You know, it's a Aiden O'Connell. It's, I don't know how big that is. Um, but so they're coming into this overall pretty good. I mean, they have some people limited, but more likely it's a rest thing. Um, my knee jerk reaction, just kinda, because this, we're already kind of talking about it, was thankfully Bajan's calling card, kind of like you talked about, is this quick game because this old line and the decisions behind them is going to get them killed. Hogue and Johns both said the starting lineup likely will be Boreham at left, white hair, then Patrick, then Tevin Jiggins, and Darnell right. This is also before the Donald Wright injury really popped up. We'll see what happens with him ultimately when the injury report comes out tomorrow. You know, if Wright can't go, is it, like you said, is it Alvianza Collins? Do you move Jenkins again? Like he's just Pete he piece you're moving around. There's been seven unique offensive lines in seven games, you know, and the thing that doesn't make sense to me, I, I talk about the decisions Jatire Car Jatire Carter has a pass block rate for PFF of 67.2 and white hairs is 46. Like, is it just a veteran thing? Do you just happen to "quote unquote" trust him more? But because like the play on the field shows that Carter should be in there.
2: I think it's probably a veteran respect thing, and it feels like something akin to a Matt Nagy, where you look at this veteran guy who's really experienced, and you think, and especially when you got a, a young quarterback out there in Tyson Bajan or in Justin Fields' case, Um, you want to have veteran guys in there as long as they're competent. Cody Whitehair has not been competent at anything this year. He's not been a good blocker. He has been maybe a better blocker as a center most of the time, but he can't snap the football. So there is very little incentive to continue to play him except for... This veteran leadership. He knows the line calls. He knows how to steady everything. I mean, that's great. Like, I don't know, make him the offensive line coach or something, or an assistant offensive line coach, because the guy can't play football. So, um, I mean, he obviously was, you know, a very good football player when he wasn't old and hurt. Um, but unfortunately, that's what he is. And I thought that it was possible that he might not make this year's team right well before before the Bears actively refused to upgrade their interior offensive line aside from Nate Davis um this year and didn't do so in the draft so you find yourself thinking you you brought up the offensive line just just generally and I know I've, I've kind of harped on this a little bit that I understand that you had some young offensive line, pieces that you wanted to see a little bit more maybe you want to see Doug Kramer a little bit maybe you want to see just Carter which I can completely understand because I think that he's he's been better than than expected perhaps um, at this stage in his career but if you were at all interested in competence like you wanted to win or potentially compete and win this year what was this what was this plan? I mean, I understand not draft. I was adamant. And I just I just want to say it, I was adamant. Don't try to draft a center on day two of the draft. You don't have to do that. Okay. People clamoring for, oh yeah, you gotta, you gotta get a center or an interior offensive lineman. No, you don't. I wasn't upset about that. What I was upset about is not getting any of these veterans because you're bargain hunting right to 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 not invest in free agency it it was, it was the mandate was right there for you man i understand you know thinking you you centered yourself on Darnell Wright as right tackle i'm cool with that i even understand rolling with Braxton Jones and seeing what he could be as a fifth round left tackle as a, as a competent nfl star i understand that too but with Tevin Jenkins when he's when he's on the field he's good but he has had trouble staying on the field and then you really wanted to go into this with lucas patrick and cody white here starting at one of your other important positions i just i i can't i I cannot believe that a team that prides itself on the offensive line came into the year with that plan where you had to rely on cody white here
1: it's a pretty wild thought process um what is your knee-jerk reaction going into this game?
2: My knee-jerk reaction is that Tyson Bagent, uh, coming into today, I was going to say, you know what? Tyson Bagent will probably play well enough to make people think, oh, maybe there's something else there. Maybe there's something special, uh, you know, not bad for your first NFL start, but ultimately lose the game and be more or less what you expected him to be. After seeing the injury report and, and thinking about the possibility of Darnell Wright not playing at all or not being 100% against Max Crosby, I don't see I I, I don't see what he's supposed to do. I think this is going to be potentially a disaster where it should have been a winnable game if everything was equal and you had all your starters. And you know what? Maybe you wouldn't have won it anyway because you're not a good football team and you're one in five. But to me, just as I think about it, any any potential fun that I thought could possibly be had of watching Tyson Bajan go out there and uncle Rico it around the yard. It it feels like it evaporated real fast.
1: Well, this is just kismet because my, to be perfectly honest um, was something, you know, really honest. I don't know that I personally am ready for uh, what ultimately I would best describe as. eh, Boom. I had to get this up here as page orange mania for anyone who watches agent Orange watch that it's that's a you know pun sorry I had to do it also I made that in five minutes I'm very proud of I it. mean look
2: I mean this this whole show is built off puns
1: exactly and so there's a couple things i want to layer on that first of all the comments and from Matt helper helpler in the uh I'm probably butchered I'm sorry in the chat can we stop trashing va field sucks First did of all, I trash
2: did I trash Bajan No one trashed time? No did I trash at one time? What do you want what do you want me to say about him? What do you, like, what do you want me to say? That you think that 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 I think that jersey. he's going to be a superstar right. on Sunday? You want me to say that? Look, Justin Fields hasn't been good. That's fine to say. That is fine to say. Two you know what? at Just-
1: once. Fields has not lived up to his draft status she- as a first overall pick, not first overall, excuse me, first round quarterback. There's holes in his game that have not been good enough good enough. And at the same time, you can say that we don't have a lot of data on Bajan. And ultimately, if I had to put money on it, I don't think he's the quarterback of the future. I'm not going to bet on the Kurt Warner chance, on the Tony Romo chance that he's going to be it
2: he he's a thousand percent not going to be the quarterback of the future because the bears are going to have a chance to draft one of the first two quarterbacks off the board just the, as the way is. things are. I don't, I don't care how many tight, ty- I don't care how many touchdowns Tyson Bagent throws for. I don't, I don't care if he's actually good. If you think to yourself coming out of this year, wow, Tyson Bajant might actually be kind of good. You're still drafting Caleb Williams or Drake may you're still doing it. Because this, who, who was, the, this is was the this was the conversation you were gonna have about Justin Fields. It's yeah. it's no, in hey, that comment. case, it's in that case, it's no different. But listen, when it comes to Tyson Bajant, look, there is there, there is almost aside from like four players, right? It, maybe there's somebody that I'm forgetting aside from uh you know Kurt Warner, Tony Romo, Warren Moon. There is practically no sample size for, for Tyson Bajant. To be anything better than all right. You and let's say I mean?
1: let's say he becomes Kirk Cousins for the sake of argument. Let's say he becomes Dak Prescott for the sake of argument. That's really right? and
2: that's really good for an undrafted rookie. Yeah.
1: How many playoff games has Kirk Cousins won? How many playoff games and Super Bowls has Dak Prescott won? Like, I mean, I, I just I will take the chance that a Caleb Williams or a Drake May becomes a Patrick Mahomes, a Josh Allen, a, a, a Hurts, a Burrow. Like I'm gonna roll that dice because it's a chance. I
2: because just don't believe there's a chance for You you want you want to blue chip talent. That's that's what we want, and and I think we don't want we we just we don't want to lose sight of that. And again, I'm not rooting for Tyson Bagent to fail. Yeah. I I I don't want to see anybody fail. I really don't. I just think that we also have to remember how many times have we seen this movie. Okay. Like we didn't watch all those years of Jay Cutler and like, Oh yeah, let's see what we got in the backup. Let's see what we got in Brian Hoyer. Yeah. That went well for a couple of games and then he was hurt and bad. Oh yeah. Let's see what a Caleb Haney can do. (laughs) That's, that's the last time we've, Oh yeah, let's see what Matt Barkley can do. How many times do we need to see this movie? They're not good. The odds are they're not going to be good. Until Tyson Bajan shows me he's good, I'm gonna assume that he's gonna look like an undrafted rookie.
1: What is your to be uh perfectly honest?
2: As if I wasn't I wasn't already uh spitting it. Yeah, I was um, gonna say but but let us let's, let's let's do uh let's do a different one here. Um to be perfectly to be a perfectly honest, um I I don't care if the Chicago bears win another game and, and you know what? That's, that's really really hard for me to say. Um, But at this point I I'm checked out on the season. I am, I'm done. I cannot be redeemed. uh, Especially if there's not going to be Justin Fields for a little while, and there's not going to be the opportunity to collect data points on a, on a quarterback that kind of sort of matters um so yeah that's that's where i'm at i will i will continue watching i will i will do it for you so that i can have takes so that i can come on here and i can i can i can banter and and, and flap my gums uh with all of you but uh that's not will come i come do on. it with joy no no i will not do it with joy
1: i'm gonna do it because i i'm a masochist and i'm gonna do it because i have to for this podcast because I, I love the podcast i love the fans i love the chat uh, I, do. And I, I love, love the things. potential of the future and I also need to watch you know some of these other players uh but I will not be watching to get this game at all because I'll actually be at Disney hence my my background I got here um so uh yeah I'm, not, I'm just not gonna do it uh I'm not putting this game at the front um so w- well ain't this humorous uh I'm curious in your perspective on this the idea of Bears at all being buyers at the deadline, I find to be very funny. The fact that that question's asked, the fact that some people think so. I mean, in all reality, right, I think they're going to do nothing. They're just going to sit there and and do absolutely nothing. But if they do anything, they're going to be sellers. So I'm curious in your perspective, in what scenario are you maybe moving on from a Jalen Johnson uh, or potentially a Darnell Mooney?
2: Um, Any scenario that involves a decent day three draft pick. You know,
1: yeah, I mean, that's where I'm at
2: four, five, any, anything, anything that, that goes this year, I would do it because again, you basically already tell you, you already telegraphed your hand. You know, you drafted their replacements, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, you didn't extend them during the season. They've seen more than enough losing here. So if they get offers to play someplace else, that, that wants their services and will and will pay them more in line with what they want, they'll go there anyway. So yeah, I think that I'm trading just about anything that isn't nailed down. And that includes Justin Fields at this point.
1: The uh two two points, I guess, on that. One for Darnell Mooney. He between the two, I think he'd be the more likely one I'd resign just because I think his the amount that he'd be asking for would be low enough that i would feel comfortable giving him that deal i agree i still think jalen johnson sees himself as a true like top five corner and he's just not between both production and also availability with his injuries he's had i i don't think that they're going to be able to reach a deal that 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 he's happy with because of all that um like you said with justin i think the writing's on the wall big justin stan here obviously i know you are too He just needs to go a place that loves to love him. And right now that's not here. Um, The one thing I would parlay off that is how far in terms of getting rid of anything, not nailed down. Are you willing to go knowing you have a rebuild in front of you and you still need pieces to keep that rebuild going?
2: I think you, you trade expiring contracts. Yeah. That's, that's basically how, how I'm looking at it. Trade expiring contracts. um, If you get your running back depth at all and you and and anybody could use a Deontay Foreman, go ahead and sell him off. Um, That's that's probably what I'm like, if any if anybody which nobody would because he's probably damaged goods with with that foot. But if anybody wanted an Eddie Jackson, go ahead and have him, too. So, like, I'm kind of looking at edit from that perspective. It's not literally like trade anyone, everyone. Just want listeners and watchers to know
1: like, all right, let's be, (laughs) it's not literally everything.
2: Expiring contracts, guys that you, that you might not even be the regime that's making these decisions next year. Guys who
1: are, guys who won't matter for 2025.
2: Yes. Yes. Um, Which, hey, Cody Whitehair would fall under that, but who's going to want a Cody Whitehair? (laughs) You're just going to uh, end up cutting him and saving the money,
1: uh, but yeah, a high um, school who needs an offensive line coach. Yes, Maybe. so
2: <laughs> well, ain't that humorous on on my side?
1: What's what's your well? Ain't that humorous?
2: Um, there, I can understand people that look at what Justin Fields did, especially last week, and said to themselves, "You know what? I want to see something different." Um, I've, I've seen enough of the same old thing, still feel like a little bit more leeway after he went off. Those two games would have been nice. Um, but I can, I can understand being like, you know, okay. Um, Tyson Bajant, let's see what you got, whatever. Not that I agree with that at all. Um, but, but it's like, okay, you know, I can understand wanting to see something different because we've been seeing the same thing for the last three years. But the idea that somehow, as one of uh, Chicago's columnists suggested, that Tyson Bajant is more fun to watch than Justin Fields Get out of here. was drop dead, dying on the ground funny. So stupid. I mean, if that's your idea of fun, then go watch like Colorado State of Minds. Don't watch the NFL. Like, like, go, 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 go watch, like, some, some, like, D3 college football game. Don't watch the NFL, if that's what you think.
1: What you need to know, uh just some background for this matchup before we transition into some of our props and picks and all that and get y'all to Thursday night football, which, by the way, Trevor Lawrence is going to play tonight for anyone who is, hey. has not seen that. So, all pro wide receiver Devontae Adams came off just two catches in a win over the New England Patriots. Acknowledged Wednesday he's wearing frustrated in his diminished role. Nine targets in the last two weeks. Uh, the all time regular season series between the Raiders and Bears is tied at 8 8, dating back to their first matchup in 1972. The last time the two teams met was October 10th, 2021. Bears beat the Silver and Black 20-9. That was a super fun game. I wish we were back at that time. Um, hey, that was
2: back when Justin Fields was throwing with anticipation. That's how long ago it was.
1: That It was such a different time. Um, the, the Raiders still aren't sure if they're going to be starting to Aiden O'Connell or Hoyer versus Bajans. Uh, kind of cool. Aiden O'Connell went to Stevenson High School. Not all that far from, from where I, I grew up, actually. So a little bit of a homecoming. It'd be cool if he got the start. That's a nice, fun storyline. But let's move on to our love it, hate it, rehabilitate it. This is where we pick matchups, people, things, thought processes that we one we love, one we hate, and one we fix. Uh, what do you love for the Bears in this matchup? Um,
2: I guess in theory, I <laughs> do. We have do we have to? Um, I mean, I I think that. In theory I would love DJ Moore against this team. Yeah, hey, um, I said the against, same thing. Against... I
1: said DJ Moore versus the Raiders secondary.
2: Yeah, I would I would love that. Um I would potentially not love but you know potentially like the Chicago Bears secondary against whatever quarterback they trot out there. Um that's about the extent of it for me though.
1: I just look at I looked at their secondary. I mean Marcus Peters is a name at this point, um not really the player he was. No. Then you have Tyler Hall who's taking over for Nate Hobbs who's on IR, um, Ameek Robertson who's start starting opposite corner. I mean DJ Moore is going to get open. The question is is you know Peyton going to give him the ball and like we said at the top of the show, I mean don't be surprised if honestly this offense looks solid going into this cuz he's going to you know no first second read, see, see open throw open. And he actually does throw with a little anticipation. Um, So I do think they're going to move the ball a bit. It's not like it's going to be three and outs all the time. So DJ Moore should be able to eat a little bit. Yeah. Uh, My hate is kind of the opposite side of that, where I think I don't love the Jacoby Myers matchup for the Bears. You know, it's not like you have Jalen Johnson following around, you know, the main receiver. He hasn't really done that ever, except for I think it was just the Devontae Adams funny enough game in Green Bay last year. We saw that a, a little bit. But I don't know. Jacoby Myers is a much better receiver than I think he gets credit for. I know you know him well as with his time with the Patriots. He was someone who was high on my list for the Bears before they got DJ Moore. So having like a Stevenson or even a Collard Gordon guard him, I don't love that idea.
2: Especially because he, he's just, he's a really savvy player. I mean, in theory, either one of those guys is way more athletic, like way quicker than C- Jacoby Myers. But he's, he's just very smart. He's also his moves are so jerky he's 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 difficult to stay in front of' because he makes his moves with every part of his body and he's just got good hands he's reliable he's not gonna he's not gonna run away from you at all there's not gonna be yards after the catch he catches the ball and he's going down right where he goes down but very often when he catches that ball he goes down beyond the first down marker um that has been his calling card. For the last three years, he's one of the better first down, you know, chain moving receivers out there. He converts a lot of third downs. There's a reason that, you know, he got paid what he got paid despite being an undrafted receiver and not being terribly athletic. And, well, that's working out really well for the Raiders. Not so well for the New England Patriots.
1: I don't understand what the Patriots are doing. They make no sense. Um, What is your hate?
2: I hate the offensive line situation for the bears. Um, I especially, <laughs> I especially hate the right tackle versus Max Crosby. And I say the right tackle because just whoever it is, whoever right. it is, I hate it. And, and the funny thing is he's the only, he is the only guy that really generates any kind of pressure on that Raiders defensive line. And he also does like people were saying, Oh yeah, well, he's just going to move over to Larry Borum. I mean, maybe, lived, but if man, he did, man. that'd be a first yeah. because in, in the 374 snaps, the guy has played this year, 300 of them have been on the right side of, or lined up over the right side of the offensive line and the left side of the defense. This dude doesn't move. He just eats where he's at. So I mean, especially if Darnell Wright isn't playing, oh, you better believe that dude's not moving. He's just going to come from you right there. And you saw the safety that he had against Mac Jones and the Patriots to seal that game. It barely looked like either one of the guys that tried to block him even slowed him down. Like not even speed bumps. He's technical. He is relentless. It's bad. It's real bad.
1: That's all I got to say Uh, really quickly. What would you rehabilitate?
2: Um, I would, I would rehabilitate the offensive game plan a little bit and, and definitely lean into, um, I would lean into the, the quick throws. I would lean into getting DJ more the ball immediately. That should literally be your first play of the game. I don't care how it happens. You got to get the ball to DJ more got to happen. Um, and just make that your offense. That was your offense you know, previous week before this, right? Against the commanders, that was your offense. Throw to DJ Moore. I think you should go back to doing that.
1: Mine was exactly the same thing with a little caveat. Go to DJ Moore until they stop it. <laughs> and then the second one was get back to your play action a bit. I know, you know, that might take away your quick game a little bit, but you know, last week they ran 12.5% play action, which is the lowest of the season for them. And obviously we saw the offensive output was not great with that. Um, X factor for the opponent, for me, it's easy an to awaken Devonte Adams. The fact that he only has about, uh, the, the few targets he had over the last two games is stupid. I don't know if it's a pride thing with McDaniels. Like he's like, I don't need a number one receiver. I want to spread the ball around. I don't know why you do that to Devonte. feed Devonte. simple.
2: I mean, yeah, that's the whole point of having a number one receiver, isn't it? Um, I, I do think it's interesting when you look at Josh McDaniels. That the Patriots for the longest time have been very wide receiver by committee. Even when you had like Julian Edelman, yeah, he'd eat a lot of the targets, but that's because Tom Brady had been throwing to him for a millennium. So that's just what Tom Brady did. But I, I feel like when you look at the Patriots' approach and and look at what McDaniels is doing now, I think he very much comes from that that train of thought where. Look, we don't force feed the ball to any one guy. You know, we spread it around. We we design plays to get other guys going. And, and it, it's all about whatever the coverage dictates. It's not about you, you know, superstar it seems guy. like a
1: scheme over player kind of guy. Oh,
2: I mean I mean, come on. Like it's Josh McDaniels. Like yeah. a, exactly. Um, and they would obviously tell you that, oh yeah, well, you know, the players play the game and we just coach and, you know, it's all about the players. It's all about the players, but then the game plans don't reflect that. And again, it's different when Tom Brady's your quarterback versus Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think the the entire point of Jimmy Garoppolo and Brian Hoyer being there is because they've been McDaniels guys. They know that offense better than just about anybody in the, in the world, anybody living, aside from Bill Belichick, you know, and, and, you know, Josh McDaniels himself. So that's why they are there because they are going to throw, they're going to see things the way Josh McDaniels wants them to see it. And they're just going to go from there. They don't, they, they, they are not operating on the, Oh, got to get Devontae Adams the ball, which is hilarious because if Devontae Adams was on my team, I would be throwing him the ball under all circumstances.
1: What is your X factor for the Raiders?
2: Um, I think it's potentially Josh Jacobs in this one. I mean, Josh Jacobs, one of the better running backs in the league over the past couple of years. If the Raiders can eat on the ground and protect whichever backup quarterback they've got and, and just make life hell for the Bears up front, then I just don't see how they win this game.
1: That'd I i right there with you. Um X Factor for the Bears. Uh, what do you got?
2: I think it's gotta be. I mean, I feel like it's, it it feels like a cop out to say this, but I feel like it's gotta be DJ Moore. Um, you gotta throw him the ball and you gotta hope he breaks a million freaking tackles and just creates yards because they don't have enough guys that do that. And that was their whole offense a couple of weeks ago. DJ. Get ball, run away from people. I think the, on the defensive side of things, you could also make an argument for, I mean, like a Yannick and knock Like maybe you go off and, and you get a couple of sacks. We didn't expect, or honestly, TJ Edwards, TJ mm-hmm. Edwards has been doing some good stuff the yep. last couple of weeks and created that interception for uh Tremaine Edmonds. So there are a couple of guys on defense that, that you think to yourself like, okay, the defensive performance has been good enough the last couple of weeks, so you keep that up, you got yourself a shot.
1: For me, I'm going with where are those explosive plays coming from and being creative with where how you're generating them. Without Justin, there, you know, Beijing can move. He is not slow. He's got he's yeah. had a scramble there. He has you know the Russian touch on the preseason. Obviously, he had the QB sneak in the last game, but he's you know you're not getting that. It's third and twelve. I'm not. You're not consistently getting him scrambling for that. His arm is not huge. You know, we saw that uh, in the last game with a couple with a couple issues there. So, you know, how are you getting the explosive plays? Is Velas Jones a part of that? And some end arounds? Uh, are you? Is there going to be a screen that actually works and works well? You know, it shouldn't always be to Cole Komet who is not explosive. Um, oh can you get it to some some a running back that might be? Can you get it to oh a God. Tyler Scott who might be? You know, things of that nature.
2: You know, uh, you, you brought up you brought up Velas Jones. I, I want to see more carries from him. He looked explosive on the carry that he yeah, got. Yeah. I feel like that might be the most natural use of Bayless Jones. Codewell Patterson uh, number two. So just, uh, yeah, just go ahead and, and give him the football and tell him to go go that way.
1: Run, run real, run real as fast, fast. As as you can. Way. It's like when you have, like, you know, like you're coaching like your 10-year-olds really or whatever for the first time and you just give it to the most athletic kid and just say, just go.
2: Yep. I don't know if uh, you got to do, do some cutbacks, do whatever, just, just go that way. End zone's that way.
1: Getting close here to the end of our show um, over unders uh, Las Vegas Raiders and Chicago bears. The total point over under 37 and a half. Where are you going?
2: 37 and a half <laughs> I'm going under.
1: under. Uh, Tyson Bajan passing yards, 180 over under. Over. He threw for 83 on 14 attempts in relief of Justin. I pretty much just doubled that and I added a little padding um, over. I think what, with- it's going to happen? To be completely honest, um, Devonte Adams receptions six over. He's had two, four, eight in the last three games. So over would be bucking the trend. If you go to buy this trend right now, he would get one. So
2: I think I I feel like there's going to be a little bit. We keep on hearing about Devonte Adams not getting the ball enough. Like let's throw it to him.
1: Yeah, it's like all right, we, we better, we'll do this and shut people up. Yes. Uh, Bears turnovers created one and a half.
2: Under. This is, is gonna be one of those games where you feel like you should create more turnovers, but they're not going to somehow.
1: Max Crosby sacks one and a half.
2: <laughs> um <laughs> are you sure you don't want to make that like like two and a half?
1: I'm not gonna lie, I made this before like the Darnell right and stuff came out, so I was like, eh, hey, I'm gonna leave it
2: definitely over
1: yeah uh crosby by the way only needs six sacks in 2023 to reach 49 through his first five seasons Ooh. in the nfl which is the most by raiders defender yeah. through their first five seasons
2: also um quick note Um, there, there is, uh, uh, Ian Rappaport just gave a game day kickoff update. Um, I have to check this out. Um, I I haven't listened to it yet, but a synopsis from one of our buddies in the Bears chat says no surgery is coming for Justin Fields.
1: All right. If that's the case, definitely a shorter timeline. Might see him more in that four or five week range, depending on how he's feeling.
2: Which by the way, the fact that brother just like straight was like, popped his thumb back in and oh, was like man. yo I'll like yo I'll ball let's do it. <laughs> I mean, that's different. <laughs>
1: God, this is going to piss people off who either are in the chat right now listening to this live or are listening to this on the podcast. We don't deserve Justin Fields. I'm I'm sorry. The, the Chicago doesn't deserve that, man. Um game predictions against the line. Raiders at Bears, Raiders favored by 3.
2: Um yeah, give me the Raiders.
1: I think that pretty easy choice at this point. It's going to be closer than people think. And then yeah. there's going to be like a tough, you know, if they're a pull away at the end, something like that. Yeah. It, it It is. It's
2: not going to be a blow. I mean, <laughs> I shouldn't even say that because the moment I say that, then it, it, it's going to be completely, but I, I think it's going to be a competitive game. I think Tyson Bajan will, he'll, he's going to compete. He's going to fight. He's going to keep a minute. And maybe there's a late turnover. Maybe, um, maybe maybe something happens that's not even up to Tyson Bajan. Maybe the defense lets something up. I just think that I I I would trust the the Raiders at home more than I would trust the Bears and depending on which quarterback they play. I mean I feel like Brian Hoyer is somebody that he's he's not that great talented what have you former undrafted guy himself. Um, but at this point in his career, he knows where every shot play is. Um, he, he he knows he's seen defenses in his sleep for years. year. I mean, he just he knows where he's going with the football. I feel like if Brian Hoyer were to play against this Bears team, especially if they continue playing their like vanilla old coverage, I low key think that Brian Hoyer would do some nasty things to them.
1: He's a professional quarterback, a professional passer of the ball. Yes. Uh, Tonight's game, Thursday Night Football, Jaguars at Saints. Saints favored by one when I snagged this yesterday. I don't know if that changed. What you got?
2: I'm taking Jags.
1: I would, too. I just I'm not betting against Trevor Lawrence or Doug Peterson. I mean, they've been kind of funky this year, to be honest, but I'm still not doing it.
2: Yeah, there's there's a lot of like weird bad luck stuff. And it's one of the interesting things that I've been checking out throughout the year and you look at like EPA per play and, and, you know, um, you know, EPA, you know, CPOE, right. You know, completion over percentage, like Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence have kind of like been right next to each other, like two peas in a pod. When you look at the efficiency numbers, but when you look at the grading Trevor Lawrence grades out as one of the five best quarterbacks in football, because he has been getting letting down a little yeah. bit out there. Yeah. And, and so I think that, you know, once, once the, the, the cast elevates a bit more around Trevor Lawrence, that team's going to take off because Trevor Lawrence is really freaking good. Um, and I think the Saints are really, they're, they're scrappy, right? They, they just they don't look aesthetically pleasing at all. Like nothing about them looks like they should be decent, but the defense fights their ass off. And then look, Derek Carr, not particularly inspiring, but professional quarterback, and they also got to play the Patriots, so I mean that was a gimme.
1: Uh, next a couple more here: uh, the Atlanta Fields, I mean Atlanta Falcons at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers favored by two and a half.
2: Say that again, Buccaneers and
1: and Falcons two Buccaneers and a half, and, and the Buccaneers are favored by two and a half. That's gonna be interesting.
2: I'm, you know what? I'm shot in the dark. I'm taking the Falcons.
1: Uh okay. I just shocked. got a, I just got a
2: feeling. I don't really trust Desmond Ritter, I don't think he's that good.
1: Hence my Atlanta but, Fields joke.
2: Yeah, but uh I don't know. I, I I have a I have just like this interesting feeling that you know they're gonna make it difficult enough on Baker Mayfield, and Desmond Ritter will just do enough.
1: A couple games here kind of watch for the, the quest for you know a top three pick. Buffalo Bills at New England Patriots. Bills favored by eight and a half.
2: We're not going to talk. Yeah.
1: No, no. Well, okay. He's saying Bills. Uh, Arizona Cardinals <laughs> at Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks favored by seven and a half.
2: I think I think Cardinals going to cover.
1: I don't think like a backdoor cover, right? Like a field goal at the end or something like that. Yeah. Um, and last one here, Carolina Panthers at the bye week. The bye week is favored by 12 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Bye week. Dominate. <laughs> yep.
1: Watch. We're gonna hear some crazy story where we're like, watch. You're gonna get Frank Reich fired or some stupid stuff. Um, moving on. Uh, boxics and Bull story. These are a bold predictions. What's your offensive bold prediction?
2: Offensive bold prediction. Tyson Bajan, two hundred twenty yards. A touchdown. And two interceptions. All
1: right. Uh, what about defensive?
2: Hmm. <laughs> uh. Okay. Let's get let's get random. Let's get totally freaking weird right now. All right. Dominique Robinson sack.
1: Oh my god, that, that's bold. Jeez, that guy can't trip into a sack. Uh, my offensive was Tyson Bajan throws ten straight completions at some point in the game. Ooh. Kyler, and my defense is Kyler Gordon gets a pick interception. Dig it.
2: Let's see that. I want to see that.
1: Offensive player of the game. I got DJ Moore. Like we, we talked about this for most of the show. It's got to be DJ city. It's got somebody slant city. I think he's just going to burn these corners on some of these short and uh, intermediate routes.
2: I think there's a possibility for a Cole commit as well. Mm-hmm. I think that, that, that might be, that might be what I do. I might go with a Cole commit here just because we've been going so heavy DJ,
1: you know? Yeah. Go out, Go different. Uh defensive player of the game. I'm going to go Andrew Billings be the reason you talked about with Josh Jacobs being the X factor. Billings is arguably, if you had to rank like the best players on this team right now, it's in terms of what they've given to you. It might be Andrew Billings at number one, maybe number two, if you want to throw DJ at number one, because he, that man has done everything he possibly can. And to stop the run. He's getting the backfield. He's a tank. Uh,
2: TJ Edwards. Um, I, I I have a good feeling about the way that he's been playing. I could see another sack in his future, possibly like a forced fumble in there.
1: All right. TJ Edwards has had a couple of close to all, like, you know, a really, really good play, like the almost fumble recovery, which I still think that was, but I don't know what's going on there. Um, at the week before that, there was the tip pass that he almost intercepted. And he's had a couple of splashes, but then haven't been big. He's due for like big. King of the North, a.k.a. MVP, final topic of this podcast. Who do you have? And remember, you can always go to the other team. It doesn't have to be a bear.
2: Yeah, I don't see how one is going to be a bear unless it's DJ Moore. So I am going to go with Josh Jacobs.
1: And it's all a circle. Life is a circle. Um, I'm going to go with... God, it's a low-hanging. I'm gonna go with Max Crosby. I changed my mind last second. Max Crosby. I think he's gonna get back there. He's gonna be super disruptive. Maybe force a fumble or something like that. Um it's he's gonna be a problem if you can't have Darnell right out there. I mean, no offense to of an Aviante Collins or if you bump out, you know, Tevin Jenkins. Uh, he's just going to be good, good. Um, that's all we got for the show today. Any parting thoughts, Kyrie?
2: Go Bears!
1: As a reminder uh, to anyone who joined late, uh, Kyrie will be joining us more full time every other week, popping on the podcast. Um, next week, I said, I am in Disney, so I will not be doing the Thursday show. We might have a but show I will. With, with Kyrie and Danny, as long as we can figure out how to make it happen. So tune in for that show where they do what the heck they want to do. I do not really care, but it should be super fun because it's going to be kind of, you know, just different than what's been. That'll be a good, good change of pace.
2: Yep. And, uh, you know, tune in next week for me to trash Tyson Bajan.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we did that the whole show.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Every every time we were so mean, Um, you know, but hey, if you want me to be mean, I can be mean. Uh, But uh, hey, maybe, 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 yeah, right. Maybe uh, this time next week we'll be hearing about uh, Justin Fields potentially practicing, even though he might not play. Um, So we'll see.
1: We'll see. All right. That's all we got. Bear down, everyone.